Welcome to Hymology on the Gospel Radio Network, a program sponsored by the Mars Hill Church of Christ, located at 1135 Rucker Road, Christiana, Tennessee, 37037. You may contact us by phone at 615-203-3637. If you would like more information about our congregation or this program, you may visit our website at www.marshillcoc.org. We invite you to join us every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. right here on TGRN.org. And now, here is your host, Brother Kyle Webb. Welcome to Hymology. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. And I'm happy that you've joined our program for today. Today's lesson is based on a very familiar song, uh, maybe one that is known by any member of the Lord's Church in America. Our God, He is Alive. Written by A.W. Dicus. As we begin looking at this song, we, we begin looking at its author, and we find that Brother Dicus had a very interesting story uh, about his life in and of itself. Aaron Wesley Dicus was born May 30, 1888, in Festus, Missouri. And he died September 2nd, 1978, in Tampa, Florida. As a small child, he and his family moved to Swayze, Indiana, where he attended and graduated high school, and also met and married his wife, Bertha Jane, in 1908. He had three sons from his marriage to Bertha, and also in 1908, we find that he was baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, and on that occasion remarked, If the Lord will allow me to get an education, I will use it in service to the Lord. What a wonderful attitude and what a wonderful example for each of us as Christians that whatever God may give us, that we should use to his glory. And shortly after, he began pursuing ministry as well as an education and seemingly working together his income from preaching ably supported his education. In 1918, he began working on his invention. Are you ready for it? The turn signal. Brother Dicus invented the turn signal, something that we use or should use every day as we are driving. Whenever you use a turn signal, you can know that a member of the Lord's Church invented it. He had also begun teaching, starting in a one-room schoolhouse and moving on to a large technical high school. He paused his teaching, however, to work on this invention but was forced to turn over all rights to his financial partner in the recession of 1922. 
Also about this time, he was appointed minister of a large congregation in Bloomington, Indiana, where he was also able to attend the University of Indiana. In 1925, he began serving as a student instructor in exchange of a scholarship at the University of Indiana, and he began accepting monthly appointments of preaching for various congregations, a pattern he continued for the next several years. In 1929, he was offered the job of head of the physics department of Tennessee Tech in Cookville as he began work on his Ph.D., in the 1940s, he became involved with military training and shortly after began training graduates for nuclear studies in connection with the plant in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, continuing to preach in various gospel meetings throughout each year. He left Tennessee for Florida College at the suggestion of friend James Cope, viewing it as an opportunity to be more involved in his work with the church. He was able to work with churches in Brooksville and Tampa, Florida. And shortly after the move to Florida, unfortunately, Bertha, his wife, passed away, the one who had greatly supported him to this point. And in 1953, he met and married his second wife, Flora. Upon his retirement in 1954, he began preaching full-time for churches in Winter Haven and Miami, Florida, and later worked with the Temple Terrace Congregation. He began writing as a hobby and wrote several songs and hymns, often with the help of Margie H. Garrett. His most popular hymns include, Our God, He is Alive, and Lord, I Believe. He also wrote three books of commentary and sermon outlines. But in failing health between trouble with his heart and eyesight, Brother Dicus passed away September 2nd, 1978 in Tampa, Florida. As we look at the song itself, beginning in, in 1966 with its writing and due to its use by the Florida College Chorus, our God, He is Alive, grew in popularity until 1973 when it was finally included as an end sheet in the publishing of Sacred Selections for the Church. It had been pasted in songbooks up until that point, but Sacred Selections was the first songbook that it was actually officially published in. And since then, it has been included in most Brotherhood hymn books uh, up to today. Most of the history for this song can be found in Our Garden of Song, edited by Gene C. Finley, published in 1980 by Howard Publishing Company in West Monroe, Louisiana. And also a good couple of good website references, uh, things that you might be interested in. Hymn Studies Blog, .wordpress.com is a great source of information regarding this song and most of the scriptures associated with this lesson uh, are in that blog. 
and also hymnary.org, hymnary.org, and there's a great deal of of information uh, about this song as well as many of the others that we sing, going way back uh, in the the history of each of them. But as we turn our attention to this song in particular, as we look at its meaning, uh, overall, we look at its theme, and what we learn here is that despite its mysteries and despite the claims and teachings of many, God is indeed alive. You see, unlike the, the different people such as Buddha, um, the religion of Buddhism and others where they serve individuals who have passed away, who have died, who you can go to their grave sites. Unlike those religions, we serve a God who is not dead, but living. Yes, Jesus died on, on a cross for our sins, but he was also resurrected the third day. Our God is not dead. Our God, He is alive. And our hope and trust can be placed in this God whom we believe in. Let's turn our attention to the lyrics, to the individual stanzas and their meanings based on what we find in Scripture. Stanza 1. There is beyond the azure blue, a God concealed from human sight. He tinted skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with his great might. You see, beyond the heavens and skies above us, beyond what we can see with our physical eyes, exists the creator of the universe. Beyond our vision, we know that God is there. Genesis 1.1 tells us of him, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and by faith we believe this to be so. It is by his power that the earth and universe were created and framed, and it is by our faith that we believe it to be so. Hebrews 11 and verse 3 by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things that we can see today when we look out and, and look at the trees, the flowers, the grass, and, and various other aspects of God's creation, we know that intelligence made them. And as we look at them as we, we see them with our physical eye, we know that they are created by one that we cannot see, and that is the God of heaven. Stanza 2, there was a long, long time ago, a God whose voice the prophets heard. He is the God that we should know who speaks from his inspired word. God created man, and through the voice of his prophets, he spoke to him, giving him the ability to know his will for him. When we look at, at prophets and, 
And we'll look at their message and how it was delivered to God's people. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, we read this, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. In Second Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You see, we have prophets that, that similar to preachers today, they heard a message from God and they would share it with God's people. Now, we don't have prophecy today, but we do have God's Word. We do have God's will revealed to us in the form of His Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Jesus gives the reason in the form of a prayer. In John 17 and verse 3, he says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The reason that God reveals himself through the prophets in time past and through the scriptures today is that we might know him. The only true God, there are many gods that people believe in, but God is the only true God. And these things are revealed to us that we may know him. Stanza 3. Secure is life from mortal mind. God holds the germ within his hand. Though men may search, they cannot find, for God alone does understand. You see, it is God who created man and subsequently breathed life into him. We read this line, God holds the germ within his hand. The word of germ has uh, various meanings, but one is an initial stage from which something may develop. And as we look at creation, as we look at the things that have been created by God, 
we realize that these are initiated, the creation of these is initiated through God who holds the germ within his hand. Genesis 1 verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Genesis 2 and verse 7 And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God created man. Let us, us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, let us make man in our image and in his spiritual image In his spiritual likeness, we are created as he exists. God formed man of the dust of the ground, and it is him who breathed life into him. God created us. There's so much about creation that that we just cannot comprehend. Though man may search, he is simply unable to understand it. God speaking to Job in Job 38 verses 4 through 7 says this, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measures? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Though we cannot understand it, we know by faith that God created the world, that he created man, that all of this comes through his intelligence. We'll come to stanza four. Our God, whose son upon a tree, a life was willing there to give, that he from sin might set man free and evermore with him could live. God did, in fact, send his son to die for us on a cross that we might be saved from our sins. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Matthew 26 and verse 28, Jesus says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed 
for many for the remission of sins. God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus shows his love for us as well. Greater love has no man than this, than that he give his life for his friends. John 15 and verse 13. As we look at these passages, we understand that Jesus died for us. He didn't have to. We are not worthy of his great sacrifice for us. But because he loved us, he was willing to give his life for our sins. Through Christ's sacrifice, we have the ability to live with him eternally. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And their reply is going to be, When did we do these things to you? When did we see you sick or naked or, or thirsty or, or hungry? When did we visit you in prison? And the reply to them will be, As much as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. And we know the other side of that story. There are those who have not done these things unto Christ who have not done it unto the least of these. And they will have their reward. Verse 46, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We can be with God in eternity. We can be with Christ in eternity. Not because of anything that we have done to earn salvation, but because Jesus was willing to die for our sins. As we come to the chorus, there is a God. He is alive. In Him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man. He is our God, the great I am. Exodus chapter 3, you may remember the story of Moses and how God appeared to him in the form of a burning bush. And beginning in verse 12 of Exodus 3, God said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, 
You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. From dust our God created man. He is our God, the great I am. What a blessing that God lives for us today. That we do not serve a God who is dead, but we serve a living God. Unlike any other religion in this world, we serve a God who lives. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for sharing this time with me as we have been able to study this hymn together. And I hope that you'll join us at the next opportunity, next Tuesday at 11 a.m., right here on TGRN.org. Until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.